Hey everybody, we made it to the end of yet another season of Star Trek. This is Voyager's third season. We've taken a couple weeks off, it feels like, Clay, but we're back and we're going to do our annual season wrap-up. I don't know if annual is the right word to use there, but we're <laughs> going to do a wrap-up of the season. This one felt like an annual thing that's going to be happening. Maybe we'll yes. get into that. But we just finished the third season of Voyager. We have our little handy-dandy charts ready to go and numbers looking at them, and we're going to talk about it. And uh, we'll probably have a pretty laid-back conversation here, Clay. We're streaming this live. We'll see how the internet holds up. And if people have any comments in the chat, feel free to drop them in and we'll respond. Mostly, well, I guess I'll, I'll ask you, how are you doing first before we get into this? Let's, Good. let's bring you into the conversation. <laughs> I'm excited to do this because it has been long enough that I have little to no memory of any of these episodes. So it'll all be new to me. I had to... I have my best and worst lists, mm -hmm. and I had to look up what one of the best episodes was. I did not remember what it, <laughs> what it was. Based on the, the thing that you sent me of, of what our ratings are, yep, not a great season. So not, I should say not a memorable season. <laughs> no, a weirdly bad, unmemorable season. So I guess that's a good enough place as any to start off. So we, Clay, keep our tracks of our scores, and uh, or at least I do, and we... We rank all the seasons against each other. And Voyager's third season came in at the second worst Star Trek episode, Star Trek season that we've done so far. The only one worse is TNG season one, which is pretty bad wow. in and of itself. But so if it felt like it was a long year of Star Trek, it seems like it was. Our bottom five seasons are TNG season one, Voyager season three, DS9 season one, TOS season three, and TNG season two. Those are like the five worst Trek seasons according to our rankings that we've had so far. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you how you thought about it. Um, I felt it was a slog. It was a slog. Why did this one feel different to you for, for any reason? Like I I it's end point. When did we start doing this? Probably the start of like 2023, right? It feels like it's been almost a year because I think Picard season. What interrupted this? Picard season three? Picard, like that? I believe so, yeah. So it took a long time because of that and things. But do, do you have any um, – did this one feel different to you for any particular reason? Um, it didn't feel it just different. Yeah. Uh, it did <clears> – I think, I think Picard just made it feel really long. Um, and also since it was – especially the middle of that season – I'm well, I mean, looking at the thing, it's I guess it's really most of the season. But uh it just it it was it was um it felt like there was little reprieve in this season. <laughs> That's true. We don't have a single five in this season. We have a, we right. each gave a bunch of ones. We don't have a single five. Uh the best episodes are the ones that we we had two episodes in the season that we both gave fours to, and there was only two episodes that did that. So um I don't know. I, I, I'm mostly struck by how long this one felt. And this is a season where I'm looking at the episode titles and a lot of them, I'm like, I don't, I could gun to my head. I could probably not tell you what episode that was. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's Voyager's titling being at fault or something, but like, um, Coda, which one was Coda? That was the one that comes <clears throat> at the end. <laughs> you repeat back, <laughs> repeat back to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Fair trade? What happened to Fair Trade? <laughs> that was when they established their uh coffee dealership on Rigel Seven. There's, there's coffee in that nebula. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh and Russell Elledge is chiming in saying I used to love Futures End, watched it many times when I was in high school. This time I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it like I used to. Is Futures End in this season? It is in this season. What the hell's <laughs> <laughs> for anybody listening, not the best episode for this to be your first episode of this show with us. Are, are we? Well, I'm stuck in the, the the constant state of is there just have we just watched too much Star Trek now? Mm -hmm. Where it's like it, it's the one with Neelix on the space station. Gotcha. Um, I I I don't know where I stand. With Voyager, I think, like to, to me at this point, Voyager has settled into TV show that's on in the background, like not not for me watching it, but like I I if I was sitting and trying to make it through this on my own and not having a podcast to do it for, I don't see any way I could actively watch Voyager. 
through this season. Like I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, this wouldn't be a show that I'd, if I was trying to finish my challenge of watching every episode, I would probably just run it as I was like working with the volume down at 10% and be like, yeah, I watched that episode of Voyager. I'm right through that one. Uh, but none of these, none of these are memorable. And I don't know if, I don't know if you have any thoughts about whether it's Voyager as a show that's done it, or if it was just an incredibly bad stretch of 26 episodes in a row that we ran into at this point. Did this season feel different than season two or one of Voyager for you? Um, <clears throat> no, I, I don't think it felt really different. Um, I just, it's, it feels kind it felt kind of on autopilot a bit more than the previous ones. And in the ones where they tried to take bigger swings didn't really land a lot. Yeah. Um, or they, I should say they just get, they just get muddled. A lot like the the ones where they try to do something cool ends up getting muddled by something it's it's the uh not that we need to keep saying this but it is it's the enterprise problem where when they have a good idea they don't really do much with it um and that seems to be the biggest failure of this show aside from the characters being i think the characters in this show are more memorable than enterprise yeah but i agree by a by a small margin i would say i think it's a lot of <laughs> at least yes. at least i know kind of what everybody's like to a certain extent not as much as on tng but like i feel like i know harry kim better than i know travis mayweather or whatever yep can't even remember his name travis the cat or the even pilot, uh, the pilot. Yo- Malcolm Reed. Uh, Yoshi? What's her? Uh, Hoshi? Hoshi? Hoshi Sato, right? Hoshi Sato. Yeah, like, I don't know what the hell she's about, really. No. No. Yeah, I, um... To, to be fair, do we, do we really know what Harry's about? Harry has more screen time than Travis. Let's put it that way. The, but I don't really know. Definitely has, <laughs> I don't definitely know if we know him lines, any better, yeah. you know? Yeah, he definitely has more lines than Travis. It's, uh... It's kind of, they, they ran into the problem where they gave Travis a cool backstory and then just kind of, like, forgot about him yeah. and then harry they didn't give any real interesting backstory but he just keeps showing up yeah it's a uh i mean i'm looking at it now and it's just it's a it's a a list of you know a lot of the discord feedback and the feedback from people who watched is like i don't remember season three being quite this bad but apparently it is kind of bad and no one no one really has a different opinion about it than that it's a you know, I think the show at this point feels like it's settled into its early, um, what we had talked about in the previous episode. It's like it's now a franchise and it just has like this this template that it puts out and it, it sticks along with it. And it's not, it's less concerned about making interesting stories and standalone little um, compartmentalized like tales about things. And it's more just what a Star Trek episode is supposed to look like, this is what we're going to do. And to, to make it look that way, we're going to jam sort of like Frankenstein parts together sometimes mm-hmm. just because we have all these different parts. And that'll be an episode that'll stick and be memorable and it'll work for the show and it'll work for the franchise. And I guess they've just run out of that feeling at this point. Like there there doesn't seem to be a... Um, you know, to bring back Enterprise, it, it does, to me, it shares a lot in common with Enterprise, which is just that it doesn't feel like it has a, it doesn't have like a, um, like a confidence in why it exists, really. It, do, it doesn't feel like it has like a soul to the show that's like the reason this show exists is because this is what we like to do on this television show. Voyager feels mm. a little bit more cut and paste than that. And it ends up with the flatness of the characters. It ends up with the flatness of the stories. It ends up with A and B plots that are like just kind of jammed together a lot of the time. It doesn't, it doesn't have, um, it doesn't really seem to have the heart of the other shows at this point. And, you know, we're going to get to seven in the next season. And I think that like, on a character basis, I don't think the characters disagree with each other. You know, I feel, I feel like on the other, even TNG, where everyone was fairly cordial, I feel like there was more disagreement between characters than there are in, is, is on Voyager, interestingly. And I think Seven's going to change that next season. So I'm interested to see how that actually mixes things up when you bring in like a cantankerous character. But outside of that, just a, just kind of a waffly season of Voyager, unfortunately. It's sad. I... 
you know, I, I guess this conversation is kind of encapsulating it. I just don't remember a lot of this as being memorable. You know, yeah. I could probably say the same for Enterprise if I went back and did the same for Enterprise, but this was not a very memorable episode, uh, season of television. So I was uh, I was just scanning, <coughs> excuse me, season three on Wikipedia to to jog my memory, and it's yep. it's it's interesting because some of them have really it, descriptions that sound interesting like yeah like a high, high concepts that you should remember yeah yeah like the shoot tom paris and harry kim wrongfully accused convicted and incarcerated in unguarded ac- ac- alien prison <laughs> tom gets stabbed trying to protect kim leaving him to find an escape plan alone meanwhile voyager is alone is trying to find a way to prove their innocence that's i remember fun. liking the shoots i remember thinking the shoot was a pretty okay episode of the show but it, I we think both it was, gave it threes yeah i think it was another one where it was like yeah it was good good ish like they mm-hmm. didn't really uh uh really get there but on the other hand you've got um this is the Where season the with flashback it? too, which yeah. is not particularly memorable. Like that's a pretty bad TOS callback episode too. You know, it's like it all just is misfiring. Sorry, on what were you o- going to say? I was just say on the other hand, from that interesting breakdown, you've got the breakdown from Sacred Ground, which is Kess is left comatose after contacting an energy field around a rock. Yep. <laughs> Must Sacred watch Ground is television. Sacred Ground is one of our worst episodes of the season. We both gave it a one, and there were two episodes that we gave. We both gave ones to, and Sacred Ground is one of them. Whoever wrote these is not a Kess fan, because the next Kess episode, Warlord, just says, Kess is controlled by an alien warlord named Tyrion. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, um, I don't know. I mean, we've we've talked about the season a lot to this point, and it feels like we've been going on. Do, do you have any? Do you have any takes on Voyager? Do you talk to Murphy, Sean Murphy, at all about Voyager? I know he loves Voyager for some reason. We like, haven't, have you we brought haven't this up about at this it. point? We no? haven't talked. <laughs> How dare you, Sean? <laughs> I what is wrong your, with you? Well, I listened to your uh, Return of the Joker podcast too, and he's like, you know, Modern Track is terrible, except for season three of Picard, which is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I was like, right, well, I have to turn this podcast off at this point. Oh. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> But he he's a Voyager stan, I think. Mm-hmm. Like he likes Voyager quite a bit. And yep. I'm just curious. I, I guess you don't. Maybe it's not something you're going to talk with him uh, frequently about because you talk about it with me constantly. But season three of Voyager feels like it's my argument against people who stand for Voyager. I think. <laughs> you know. I mean, I think I, I, he he hasn't been on the show in a while. It might be good to get him on, especially yeah. once. Uh, Seven shows up next season. Maybe we can get yeah. him on for a couple episodes or something. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It. I can't answer for him. Obviously, um, we don't talk about it because we don't get that personal with each other. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah. Do we have Do we have any Discord listeners who are Mega Voyager fans that you think you could identify? Oh, I, I don't, don't think know. we have. I don't think we have many. We have a lot of people who say, I remember watching Voyager when I was in high school or like when I was young and it was on TV. It was like my Voyager. Voyager was my Star Trek that was on while I was yeah. watching Star Trek. But I don't think anyone really claims it as like their favorite Trek out of anything, which is sort of surprising because I think Voyager has a reputation for a lot of people really liking Voyager and thinking that it's like, if it's not the best, it's the second best option that you can go yeah. to. I mean, I think we've talked about it a bit before, but uh, <clears throat> I think a part of it is if it's the first one you've watched, then I can see it being your favorite because it seems like whatever the first one you watch is tends to be your favorite. Yeah. But also, I, I think there's a certain level of... Um, I think it's comfort food to a certain extent in a way that Deep Space Nine isn't because... Uh, Voyager is not really trying to in, reinvent the wheel at all. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of like, it's kind of a, I almost kind of wish it was more of a hangout show than it is. Yeah. Um, we mentioned that in a recent episode where they, um, yeah, whatever the one where they were all having like dinner at the end of the episode together. It's like, these characters don't really hang out all that much with each other. And you think being alone, they would. That would be something that the show would really focus on is like these people, all they have is each other, really. Like even even more so than the other shows. But 
Not sure. Jaren Hatch says Voyager is the strange new worlds of Golden Age Trek. It's I think it means is that blander? It's blander homogenous Trek that's comfortable but generally lacks any real bite or perspective. Yeah, it's kind of comfort foody. Yeah. And Hat says, I love Voyager. However, part of it is because the TOS is my favorite and it reminds me of the five-year mission, even if it isn't. However, on rewatch, I have a list about of about 40 episodes I only was... Uh, so he's got a list of only about 40 episodes that he watches out of the you know, eighty. that brings up something that I hadn't really thought about before. <clears throat> what is what is the mission of the TNG crew? Because you've got the five-year mission for TOS. You've got uh, We Must Protect This House from Deep, uh, Deep Space Nine. You've got we need to get home from Voyager. You've got uh, we need to explore for the first time what it's like to get pregnant from an alien woman on (laughs) Enterprise. But TNG, everybody's just kind of hanging out like they're just cruising. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the development. I I actually think it makes sense, right? Like the the TOS, the evolution of TNG is that they are no longer on short term missions. It's just kind of Mm. a way of being is that that's the way that the Federation has developed and they're just out there. Out but there that's for a, trouble. yeah there's no there's, there's no there's no uh there's no bad energy in tng they're just kind of hanging out waiting for the latest uh diplomatic mission to come along and it, i but it, it's kind of interesting right because tng having such an aimless backstory didn't result in an aimless series you know right. like yeah. there's there's no there's no overarching thing of TNG. It just is what it is. And Voyager has this overarching thing, and it, it's not, it, it doesn't help the show whatsoever. Yeah, I think the, th- the problem is when you give <clears throat> the stronger the overarching thing, the more it stands out if you're not doing that thing. Like yeah. five-year mission, what does that mean? Nobody knows. Um, and TNG is just sort of like, we're just boldly going, man. Yeah. Uh, and in, uh, Deep Space Nine, it sets itself up for, uh, conflict with the Cardassians and stuff, but it's like the, the definition of the show isn't that it's constant. It's just like kind of, you know, uh, in the background. Yeah. It's like a yeah, world peaks and valleys. Exercise. Um, but with Voyager where that's very, they very clearly have a mission and a goal that they're trying to reach. It does make it stand out when they're not doing that and i'm not saying that every episode needs to be uh an odometer showing how yeah, much right space they've traveled it's that little but, uh the thing that's on a flight where you can see the plane on the map as it like yes. slowly ticks every every 20 minutes it moves like one pixel closer to where you want to be yes yeah voyager doesn't do that so I guess general, I mean, we can just general thoughts about this crew at this point. How how is the crew, how has your opinion of the crew changed since season one? And you can correct me if I'm wrong about your opinion on season one. Generally, I think we were both pretty positive on this crew in season one. Um, Mm -hmm. Coming off of Enterprise, that's why you're saying that they were all more clearly defined as to what they were and what they were supposed to be. There was this like delineation between the Maquis and the Starfleet characters. Uh, What's changed into the third season for you, positive or negative? It doesn't really matter. Whichever way you want to go with it. Um, what has changed for the with the crew for me? Uh, everybody's kind of run together more than they have, and I think <clears throat> I think this show, not to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, I think people like the memory of this show a little bit, uh, not to generalize, but it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the memory of the show is what they like more than the show itself. Yeah. Because, uh, <clears throat> like, talking about the crew, there are plenty of people out there who are like, oh, Tom Paris, love Tom Paris. And, like, in my memory, I'm like, oh, yeah, Tom is kind of fun. He does some stuff. But as we've been going through the show, the number one thing that stood out to me is how terrible of a character Tom Paris <laughs> is because he never does anything. <laughs> like he's he's up front for like the first season and then they he just kind of like fades into the background and the same thing with harry and the same thing with uh i mean balana's got a little bit of fire tuvok is always fun chakotay may as well have be sleeping with his eyeballs painted on his eyelids (laughs) for the whole show (laughs) 
just looking for a, a planet to jump off and build a cabin on. We might disagree about um, our strongest disagreement potentially might be about Janeway. I think mm-hmm. I um I don't like Janeway at all. Really, I think I think I think Janeway is. Janeway, I think, is overrated as a captain. I think mm-hmm. I think that she I think that people will bring her up and mention her in a way that I don't really understand. Like she to me, she's treading in Jonathan Archer territory. And I think that Archer maybe even had a slightly stronger personality than Janeway does. And I, I don't think Archer's any any great shakes, but Archer, at least for a little while, they went with that like you know, he's sort of like a good old boy who's out in space, and he's like, "I'm kind of a racist when when, when the time when it comes to it and stuff." And Janeway's only personality trait, I think, so far is that they say she likes science, and that's not even really a big focus of her yeah. at all. It's it's not a thing. She's she's both schizophrenic and incredibly boring as a character, really. So I think it's like this horrible combination of I can't predict what she was going to do and even if I could predict it, it's the least exciting option about what I expect to come from a captain on Star Trek. Yeah, I uh, the, the strangest thing about Janeway is that they give her these moments of becoming an engaging character when they have what in her schizophrenic nature. Um but the nature of her schizophrenia is that they don't ever feel like they are part of her character because she's not consistent with them. Um, Because she kind of goes back and forth from wanting to be everybody's friend to willing to slit the throat of anyone who stands in her way to get her crew home. (laughs) And it's, it's a, it's a weird kind of thing where I kind of wish they would go one way or the other with it. Yeah. Um, because I mean, there's again not to harp on the the failing, the conceptual failings of the show. Uh, however many episodes we're fifty something, sixty something episodes in. Yeah, we're but, sixty episodes in. But um, like the the Maquis and Starfleet thing, I feel like would have a lot more. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A lot more edge to it if someone like Chakotay was a little bit more headstrong and, and Janeway was a little bit, I don't know, more affable and less active, you know? So yeah, it yeah. causes, uh, she has to kind of step it up or whatnot. But obviously, you know, the first female captain, you don't want to make her push over anything. But um, yeah. that doesn't mean you can't. It's. I think that's the thing. Is they, 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 they really go out of their way to give her these episodes where she is very um assertive which is great but it just doesn't feel that it's like it's part of her character or i should say maybe it's the other way too maybe it's the other stuff that's not part of her character is she more consistently a hard ass or is she more consistently like a no oh, interesting let's, let's have a cup of coffee and just stare at the stars for a while what would you say what would your inclination be if you had to, if someone asked you to, to describe janeway which way would you go with her as her baseline personality um I think I'm in the That's a good question. I don't I don't in my mind's eye she's not a hard ass. Yeah. You know, she she's yeah, like fairly easy going. I yeah. think. Um she, so It's what you're saying she she exists in this awkward spot where I could see either direction being something that the show taking its concept seriously would embrace. So if she's a hard ass, there's a little bit of like a mutinous edge to it where it's like she's putting too much pressure on people on a, on a journey that shouldn't have this much stress on it. But if you go the other way, there's a, there's an interesting angle of she's trying to be everybody's friend and how like that doesn't really work for a captain. Like Janeway has this room to be the most isolated captain because she's stuck in the situation where it's kind of like a work situation where like the boss being everybody's friend makes a lot of sense in this context because they're like a little community of themselves. But at Mm -hmm. the same time that leads to all these weaknesses in the structure of how the ship is supposed to be run, but they, they don't do either. I'm just, I find her, I find Melgrew's performance to be bland too. You know, I, I just don't, there's nothing about it. That's really like, 
doesn't have any of the Avery Brooks's just sort of like weird moments and things. Mm. It's like it's consistently tamped down. And she it needs seems more high pitched squealing. Yeah, it's more more complaining, more excited shrieks and stuff like that when they find coffee and nebulas and stuff like that. But no, she's um, yeah, I I think, and I, th- I think you brought up something interesting about Janeway too, which is that like I remember Alan Seppenwall, um, was on Twitter or something. He had been. He was tweet so the TV critic for Rolling Stone was asked or he brought up like who is the best captain on Star Trek and he had a response I don't remember whose worst his best whose like top response was but his worst he goes afterwards he goes he goes, he goes the worst is clearly Janeway and so he got responses to this and he retweeted one of them and one of the retweets was um how can you say that when she's the first female captain that the, the franchise has had? So like, why, why are you going to go hard on her that way? And he said, he had a response that retweeted, which is just like, in my, like, I'm not even considering that because I just find her to be the most inconsistent and least interesting captain out of sure. all of them. And therefore it's that kind of a thing. But, and the person responded in the follow-up is just saying, it's just too bad that you have to hold that opinion when she is the first female captain. The implication being that you really can't dislike the character because of what she represents for the franchise, right? So it's like sure. this, like being female is enough to propel her into consideration for being an important character that way. And I think that like is the franchise now since it's trying to be a franchise, is it in that thing where why couldn't they make the first female captain be angry? I think you're entering franchise territory, right, where you're like, well, what's going to be the legacy of this character? We have to be concerned that she can't be a bitch, right? Like, because then everyone would say, well, why'd you make the female character such right. like a, a catty bitch about stuff? It's like, well, I don't know. But I would prefer a quote unquote catty bitch character than what Janeway is, which Janeway is just kind of like milk toast. And I, I would prefer there to be something yeah. there instead. And I, I wonder if it's as the franchise itself is trying to smooth itself and like get rid of any rough edges, the character of Janeway is also a victim of that where it's like, you're not allowed to be particularly interesting at this point. Yeah. I mean, I don't think her, her gender has anything to do with it. Cause I mean, if you just changed her to being a man, she wouldn't be any more interesting or any yeah, better be than captain, you know? Yeah. She would just right. be Arch. I mean, Archer is, is more consistent, but he's less interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Janeway's spikes, I find, make her fairly interesting. And Archer has like one or two of those where he's, yeah. that I remember anyway. But uh, <clears throat> the casting issue where Bakula has trouble playing the angry guy. It doesn't yeah. work particularly well. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's, yeah, I, I wonder I wonder how much of, of, a, of a roadblock they, they came up with as far as that goes back then because it, you do feel it a little bit that that might have been a consideration of well okay well she can't first female camp, captain can't be a pushover but she also can't be a bitch so we have to find something in the middle but we have to make her interesting and like versus like discovery where they clearly overcorrected with michael burnham as far as like making her <laughs> i mean she's I, I feel like Burnham is kind of what you're saying, Jane. You what you what you wish Janeway was feels like it it skews more towards Michael Burnham, where she's over like just too overly active and too mm-hmm. intense and too uh, X Y and Z. But we don't have to get into that. But um, too much yeah. X. You mean there's a Y, no Y at all. Too much X. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I think Janeway. I don't know. I like Janeway. I I don't I don't know if I like her as a. I don't think she's the best captain, but I don't find her performance to be objectionable or anything. Like I I think uh, um, Jaron Hatch was kind of on the money when he says the cast is the strongest part of the show, but the cast is better than the characters they play. I would probably agree with that. Where yeah everybody's pretty good at what they're doing, but what they're doing just isn't very interesting. 
<laughs> so were they ever really good at all? Hat89 says, so Kate Mulgrew said that for the first three seasons, the producers ah, were unwilling to show her making a mistake because they were unsure if people would accept a woman captain. Um, so that's in essence saying that the uh, the producers are um, definitively taking a stance that killing Tuvix was the right thing to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's an, un- that's, an, that's an uncontroversial decision. I... Um, I right because you do run into in, an interesting discussion around Janeway being a female captain in that um it's also a show like to me what what's weird about it is that she's a female captain who is brought into the role and you enter this weird kind of discussion space where the fact that she's female is the impressive accomplishment, right? So this, that, like to me, that feels like a very, that's a very modern thing. It's, it's like an equity analysis. It's like the only thing that matters is that you are female and bringing a female into the show is a good decision in and of itself. Mm-hmm. What, I think is, what I think is weird about it is that Voyager is also a show with a female showrunner at the helm at this sure. point. So, sure. I'm I'm struck by how little a female instinct did not bleed into Janeway more than mm-hmm. like I I don't think that there's there's I can't think of a single episode that focuses on Janeway's sex being something that matters and like you can't even it's not that they did it all the time with Avery Brooks but uh, DS9 had the um Benny Russell episodes like sure. it, it commented on this it was like we're not going to focus mm. explicitly on the fact that Cisco is black but he is and here's an episode that talks about it I don't is there an episode that deals with Janeway as a female captain like so you, you they what they do is they kind of avoid something that makes the setup worth commenting on like they avoid the issue at all just for the the fact that they have now they have a female captain representation aspect. And it's like, that's what makes it so uninteresting is because Janeway is essentially just a neutered version of Picard in a lot of ways. It's just mm-hmm. not a, not an interesting, why do it except to tick the box if you're not going to talk about this? Because I do see a lot of, um, there's a very maternal thing that could happen with Janeway as the parent to this crew sure. in a lot of ways. Sure. And maybe it's her age or something. Should Janeway have been older? I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing, but it's like, these are the, these are the things that seem to be what the show is concerned about and not going to uh, talk about at any point. Well, I think there's the other way to look at it that that's kind of how they should do it is that it should be just not necessarily uh, getting into, um, womanly things just because it's you know like picard there's only one episode that talks about picard being french you know mm-hmm. um and i, I don't First know season if, classic yeah <laughs> where and I, I i don't know if uh i think there's two ways to look at it and i i think it's i don't know if it's ticking a ticking a box doesn't feel like the right way to say it because it's like it is it is kind of it was a big deal when it happened and i mean there's yeah. there's no reason why you, you it you shouldn't do it um but yeah i think you i think it's very easy when you're when you're doing this stuff to get into a sort of backflipping routine um or or like the uh the the switching of the cups in princess bride situation where it's like you're trying to walk through the lasers but you keep you keep going like all right well if, if we do this then this will happen but oh wait if we shouldn't do that we should do this and switch but if we do that we should do this so you trying to walk the tightrope of 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 being uh considerate or or whatever um and maybe it is the right way just to be like yeah yeah she's a captain but she just happens to be a woman well at that point that strongly <clears throat> reminds me of what discovery would do so discovery had gay characters who mm-hmm. had no lived experience that was reflected on screen of being homosexual. 
There, there was no, there's no reason for them to be gay in the show. Like, there's nothing. Oh, is there it's, a reason not, for them to be straight? In the sense that why, if you're not, if you're not going to examine what makes a lived experience unique. Mm-hmm then you're just checking a box. That's the definition of checking a box, right? Like, so if you're not going to get into how metaphorically the gay experience is different from the straight experience with those characters, them being gay is just an arbitrary thing that's been decided. It's it's like, and it was the same, it's the same thing that they did with um, the uh, Adira. Is that the character's name? The the the, oh, the trans the character them one. Yeah. I don't even not, not even trans. Just like didn't use gendered pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that storyline culminated in the character saying, "I'd prefer if you called me these pronouns." And they go, oh, "Okay, sure." And it's like, yeah. well, why why do this? Well, what's what's the point of bringing this up? And I think that. <laughs> The Janeway thing is the same because I can understand you want to just treat the female character the same as you treat the male character, but that's destroying the point of being the lived female experience at that point because then you're just saying that we're all the same, so what's the point of having representation if everyone acts exactly the same? Yeah, I, I, to a certain extent, but I mean like why, why does – I, I guess you could go the other way with it too, then, and and say like, well, how come they're not getting into the lived experience of being a man? Because why? What is there? There doesn't have to be like a starting baseline to who is on the show or who is represented on the show. So yeah. I don't know why you necessarily have to go out of your way to single it out just because they happen to be one thing versus the other thing. I know what you I know what you're saying, but it's like I I I think you can just have gay characters for the sake of having for the sake of having gay characters because gay people do exist alongside straight people. Mm-hmm. Um so I I the, the I think the Adira thing is was a was a bit much regardless um because I think that they were trying to to inject that stuff into it but just didn't have anything interesting to say um i think it's when you get into patting yourself on the back for that stuff without presenting a perspective that's when that's when it gets icky because that's kind of what they did on discovery where they start patting themselves on the back for stuff that they just for 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 doing things instead of doing things interestingly is jane isn't right, is, but isn't that what I'm saying about Janeway? They've just done something for the sake of doing it, really. So it's like a well, I'm saying, but like they don't, they don't have multiple episodes or any episodes where they end a storyline and Janeway says, "Isn't it? I I just would like everyone to know that I am a mother," and then everybody stands up and claps for her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's kind of what they were doing with with Adira, they were kind of giving themselves a pat on the back for, for being so progressive. But yeah. I, I don't think Janeway just being there is the same thing. <clears throat> so I guess that my my confusion about it is that in an ideal world, I would agree that it doesn't really matter what you are being inserted into here, right? Like there is like a... There is a sense that like true equality is to be like totally indifferent to whatever the setup is. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. there are there are gay people in the world, so there's gay people on this show. There's a there's a non-binary person, so there's a non-binary person on the show. There's a black people, so there's a black person on the show. How like but at that point At that point, I feel like you are ignoring the fact that the differences are what make the characters unique. Because you you could extrapolate that to all the characters could essentially be the same thing too. Because it's Mm -hmm. like they're all semi-noble, whatever, like, you know, semi-hero people. But I think that like 
would it have been right for Star Trek DS9 <clears throat> DS9 to not do any Benny Russell episodes? You know, like in yeah. in a true equality <clears throat> thing, Cisco's blackness doesn't matter, but it's mm-hmm. only interesting if they do those episodes. And they sure. don't do it all the time, but it's sure. like if you don't do it, I, I guess I just come back. If you don't do anything with this, that feels very checking the box to me. If if Cisco is just a black man who like they never brought it up, even though it totally makes context twenty fourth century sense in context of the twenty fourth century, mm-hmm. you would think no one would really care that Cisco is black. So what they did is they got clever with it, and he would have like flashbacks, you know, to the nineteen fifties, and it made sense. And it was like, oh, okay, this this works in this context, and it was a nice metaphor for you know, the corrupt cops or the Dominion characters and stuff, but they're doing things with it. I just think that Janeway is, it's, it's what hat's saying. If they're, if they're scared of being like, well, we can't have a woman screw something up because then people will be angry with us. You're denying the humanity of women at that point. I think you, you you know, it's, and it's just like, and I wouldn't want them to focus on the crew being like, calling her like mother Janeway or something like that or some weird culty thing. But I think that there's a, there's a POV to bring into this that. And she's no different than any of the other characters. Like if she had a defining trait, it would be to me that she's the first female captain and you should do something with it in the same way that Chicote is allegedly a native American. <laughs> you should do something with that. But the, the show doesn't do oh, anything they do. with anybody. They do plenty yeah, well, with that one. <laughs> We've seen Chicote's ass bared freely in the woods. We haven't seen Janeway's breasts. <laughs> bared as I don't know. It's pretty bridge. close. Is that, that one episode was where she ends up in a, in a, a nighty or something? Yeah. Push, pushing the boundaries, yeah. Yeah, and that's the, you know, she's not even allowed to, because Q's allowed to come in and just be kind of like, hey, Janeway, if you want to fuck, I'm down for it. Yeah. And Janeway doesn't respond to it. And yeah, it's like, I feel that those are moments to bring up the female response to that stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, yeah. I wish they did. That's all. Yeah. Um, They didn't explore Patrick Stewart's baldness. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just, I think people. I pe- think people rubbed his head every once in a while on that in that show. I bet he hated that. She gets more maternal as the show goes on, according to Jaron Hatch. So we'll say Janeway basically becomes Seven's mother. Perhaps that is the outlet for them. Oh, I bet that's why Mulgrew hated her so much because the 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 new hot actor comes in and they're like Janeway. How about you're her mom? <laughs> Kate Mulgrew is like 32. I know. <laughs> but as we as we've said, uh Mulgrew looks much older than that as she acts older than that too. Um Yeah, she does you, she has a much older uh style, I think. Yeah, has an old energy to her. Mm. Would you have gone older or younger with Janeway? If you had to add or subtract 10 years mm. to Janeway, which way Ooh, would you have gone? That's an interesting question. Um I think I would have gone younger. I would go younger. I'd have her yeah. be right out of the academy, like not out of the academy, but like fresh captaincy or something like that. Yeah. I think that would have been uh, having her in that situation with the Maquis of being like fresh out of the academy. That would have been, that probably would have been pretty good. I think that's a modern thing too. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but if it, if it becomes a metaphor for, <clears throat> You know, the argument about like being the only female in the room who's not being taken seriously. And mm-hmm. but they don't they don't draw attention to the female aspect. It's the fact that she's so young in this role that becomes like the doubtful thing. Yeah. And the Maquis can push back against that. And I think that, that would that would have meant something, but just isn't. Is it Voyager her first ship? Maybe, but how long has she been with it? Can't answer. I guess Voyager is brand new. I have no idea. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But in, I guess our point comes back to that Mogu doesn't have the energy of an inexperienced captain. Right. She's never yeah. portrayed Again, that Again, if, if, even if it is her first ship, they don't really do anything. They don't play it. it. Yeah, they don't play it that way. Any other I think, thoughts? I think also is, as far as uh, her being a woman, I think if they played up her inexperience, well – or perceived inexperience more that kind of it, you kind of um, 
naturally get multiple layers to that discussion without even having right. to bring them up. Like she doesn't have to say, like they don't have to say, well, we wouldn't take this order from a little girl or anything. Right. You know, like you you can yeah. just have. It's mansplaining, the, right? The right. I don't, I don't yeah. and mansplaining is kind of a, a stupid con, like a concept in my idea, but like you can thematically portray mansplaining as someone like Chicote thinking that Janeway does not understand what needs to be done right. in command situations. Yeah, and and you can you can chalk that up to it's you can play it as um, not believing that the captain is up to the task. But it also naturally has the secondary layer of, you know, misogyny or however you want to yeah. describe it, which yeah. could have been really interesting. I only, I only don't believe in mansplaining because the biggest mans, mansplainer in the world is my mother. But <laughs> she wouldn't she wouldn't be called a mansplainer because she's female. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I'm frequently I'm frequently explained things uh, about why the way things are when I'm like, yeah, I, I did this myself. You're explaining it to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anything else about this season? Let's see. What is this comment just popped up? JD says, maybe it's worth asking why have a female captain and why have a black commander captain. When DS9 and Voyager were released were choices because the writers wanted to explore the ideas of racism and sexism. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, probably not, I guess, would be my yeah. take. Was there a black writer on Star Who was the first black That's writer on Star Trek? Didn't that guy... Um, who is that YouTube personality that was with Kevin Smith? Oh, Mark for, Bernardin? Didn't he write for one of the Trek shows? Uh, Did he not? He was... I think he was like a writer's room assistant on Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. And he wrote for season two of Picard, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I say unfortunately because that season was hot garbage, and I, I think he's a very smart writer, so it's uh, not hmm. the best use of his talents, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote for Picard season two, Russell Lodge says. I, I don't know if there was a black... I In my... In the, all the Blu-ray extras, it's only white guys um, yeah. in the Star Trek, Trek writer. Well, in some um, Shakar, whatever, not Shakar, is that the guy's name? Naren Shankar or whatever, uh, who's Indian, I think. <coughs> Excuse me. And Grapple John, John, John Zorn just continues, were they simply ticking boxes at the time? I think, I mean, they were ticking boxes, I think, but DS9 embraced it a little bit more. And it's, it's, it's just tough because it's, um, I don't, I don't, I don't like calling it ticking a box though, because it's just because they're doing something different doesn't necessarily like it. I don't know if there's any needs to be any agenda or anything behind it. I feel like ticking a box implies agenda where it's like they had, a young white guy, an old white guy. How many different white guys could you possibly have? You know, do something different. Woman. Black well, again, captain. but just just doing it doesn't mean anything. That that's how. Why, why do you not say the ticking of boxes? Like, we need to bring in. So ticking the box, the argument would be, we need to bring some diversity into this mm-hmm. office, right? Mm-hmm. So we're a we're an office full of. Harvard and Yale educated lawyers and we're all mm-hmm. white. We bring in a Harvard and educated Harvard and Yale educated black man to bring mm-hmm. some diversity to this office. That's to me is the checking the box. Like when you are when when the only difference is unsubstantial and it's just skin color that you're like that's the only thing that you're bringing and changing is like this you cuz you're basically saying like you're you're kind of making the argument like which is fair that it's like you're all the same underneath it, but the lived experience has to be different. You have to, right. like, there has to be a difference between those things. And I think that that's my distinction. It's just like, it's it's a false, um, you're not bringing in anything interesting if the only difference is just the skin color. If you're, like, in DS9, as I'm saying, got around it by, they did comment on it and things like that. And that was yeah. some of the good episodes of the, great episodes of the season deal with it because it's like about something. Um, <coughs> but I, the counter to it, I think is that 
Star Trek is a hard show to do it because you're supposed to be in this utopian society. So it's like you're not supposed to see this stuff. It's like supposed sure. to all be past that. It's just I, th- I think that the gas for that idea ran out in TOS in some ways, unfortunately, because you can't just continually have shows that like all stuff is behind us. So we can't talk about anything because there's nothing to talk about anymore at this point in right. society. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. Hat eighty nine asks, "What's your favorite episode of the season?" I guess we can just wrap that up with the the best and worst. So it's either for us, it's either remember what the episodes were. It's either the dinosaur Galileo episode or it's Scorpion <laughs> Part One. Those are the two that we both gave fours to. So you have to decide which one Boy. you like better. Uh, Jesus. Um, I guess Scorpion. I think I go with Distant Origin is my yeah, favorite I, episode of the season. I don't know. I like the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I guess the dino. I overall, I think as as far as if you're going like pure Star Trek episode, probably that one because that one has more. That feels more like a capital S, capital T Star Trek episode um, than than Scorpion does, I guess. I, I feel like Scorpion was a bigger letdown than um, yeah. Distant Origin was like a, a pleasant surprise, really. Like, Scor- I think Scorpion is an okay episode. It's like it's an enjoyable watch. It's a four for me, but um, Distant Origin felt more uh, voyagery in a sense. Like it took advantage of the ship being out there and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, them trying to you know having a race trying to track down Voyager as it's moving around. To be fair, they screen tested me. Okay, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they screen tested everybody. Who are some of the actors who tried out for Janeway? Oh, that's a really interesting Car- question. Carl Janeway. <laughs> Given a choice between rewatching season one of Teen G or Voyager season three, which would you choose, and why is it Teen G season yeah, one? Yeah, I mean it is. It is. I I don't. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm just that's just the the rose colored glasses of TNG even raising raising all all ships regardless of season but um yeah i don't know i just i think i think it comes back to who you who you identify with because i'm sure there are people who would who are voyager people who would say season three of voyager it's tough i think tng's tng's is so bad it's good i think is the difference yeah there's a charm to its its badness voyager is a a humming well-oiled machine at this point that's putting out boring widgets yeah yeah i would agree with that but you know like the season one of tng is just weird moments of (laughs) as like angel one pilot the pilot when um Riker boards the ship and Picard is like, I don't have time to tell you what's happened. So here watch this video that'll recap everyone and it they show him a video of the episode to that point. And it's just like, <laughs> Wow, this is a decision. <laughs> this is a this is a narrative choice. It has but when will then be now. Men Soon. are in like <laughs> the dress uniform existed in season one. It's just oh, like yeah. it's, it's just like strange, um, unusual decisions that are being made. And Voyager Voyager doesn't make unusual decisions. That's the problem with it. But I would definitely. But objectively speaking, I think someone with no backstory would probably say the TNG season one is a worse collection of episodes than Voyager's third season. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up, Russell says, I grew up on TNG, so I'm biased, but I still think it's better. So I'm going to go quickly through our best and worst glider. Should we do the best and best first or the worst first? Um, let's do the best first. Best first. I have them ranked here. You can let me know if you disagree with anyone. I'll, I'll try to give you a little bit of a summary about which they are too. So my fifth, our fifth best was worst case scenario, which is the Tuvok has the hollow program that talks about the Maquis overthrowing the ship episode. Yep, yep that was fun. Unity is number four. That's the Borg episode where they first run into the Borg who have Mm -hmm. uh, broken away from the collective. Number three is Before and After, which is the Kess traveling backwards through time episode where they bring up the year of hell for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then our final two, the top two are Scorpion Part One. I have it number two. And then Distant Origin is number one for me, the dinosaur episode. Those are the best. The worst from five to one. 
two of these, the bottom two, we both gave ones. The other ones are kind of split ones. So I have number five is the swarm, which is the uh, tiny little ships with like one alien in each that they run into when they're trying to cross. I don't remember what else happens in that episode. And I don't remember why we didn't like it so much, but apparently we didn't like it. So the swarm is number five. Darkling is number four, which is the, if I'm remembering, Darkling is the evil doctor thing where the doctor goes haywire. Yep. He has like an evil personality. Number three is Warlord, which is where Cass, as you said in that description, gets taken over by a warlord named Tyrion or whatever mm-hmm. his name was. Mm-hmm. False Prophet is the Ferengi episode, which feels like we watched it 600 years ago. Correct. But that's our number two worst one. My memory of that one is... um. I don't know if you remember just the ending where they were trying to fly through the warp the the wormhole and Voyager's like <laughs> just chasing that wormhole as it's flying around and they can't fly through it and the Ferengi they don't shoot the Ferengi anything like that. I feel like and that's that, one that people would be like, oh yeah, that one that one's pretty good because in their yeah. head their head they're going because it's connected to TNG. <laughs> it's, it's got some Ferengi right because it brings up the uh, the Ferengi that got stranded. Yeah, that's correct. And then Sacred Ground is our worst, which is the Kess touches the force field rock and yeah. uh, Janeway has to prey on it or whatever happened in that one. That's the worst five episodes of Voyager Season 3. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the coverage of the season, our coverage of these 26 or 25 episodes. And we're moving on to Season 4, and we're going to be halfway through Voyager at some point in the middle of Season 4. So any final thoughts here, Clay? Are we done? <laughs> Uh, I think we're done. We're done. I'm looking done. forward to season four. Yeah. As I'm looking forward to seven. I think changes are good for these yeah. shows. I'm looking forward to seven because it means the show will be over at the end of it. The seventh season. That's no, right. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, There's an I'm episode looking, of Enterprise too called the seventh, right? I think that was one of the oh, worst right, episodes. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it, uh, getting it shaking up a little bit. Um, I'm looking forward to seven. Seven is caustic. So I think that that's something the show needs. It needs someone who is like disagreeable on it. Um, mm-hmm. No one's disagreeable. They, they even like Neelix for some reason. You know, Neelix is just a, just a bad, <laughs> just a bad person. That's it. I can't, Thanks everybody I can't for believe listening. that they, they keep Neelix and they get rid of Cass. Yep. And what, well, you read the, uh, the, discord comment right like apparently the discussion was to get rid of harry kim that was the idea that he was going to be the character to get the axe because they needed to lose somebody right and then he won sexiest tv guide character or something like that and they decided that they couldn't get rid of him oh we uh we didn't talk about kyle's question oh sure what was that we can go out with that one he said assemble a starship crew using deadwood characters i feel like there's only so many in there. <laughs> well, does the doctor have to be the doctor? Does Doc Cochran have to be the doctor? Yes. Yeah, I guess probably. <clears throat> Who's the captain of the Deadwood ship? The captain of the Deadwood ship. I. If Swearingen's not the captain, what role does Swearingen have? I was going to. Yeah. Swearingen, I think, is that. Is like Garrick. That's okay. that's who Swearingen is to me. I think it's tough because it's a Western, and the obvious answer is like, well, it's Deep Space Nine, so just slot him in there. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, Swearingen works better as the can we trust this guy character than he would as the captain. Yeah, he does. I mean, so Bullock has to be the captain by default. I'd make George Hurst the captain. Oh, sure. That'd be a crazy ship. <laughs> I do like we you commented on the Deadwood. Like Hurst would make a great Star Trek Discovery admiral, a yes. bad admiral character, yes. and I, I would hate to to lose him on that. But um, Charlie Utter would be chief of security. I think I'd have to have him be chief of security. Yeah, transporter chief would be. I feel uh, like Charlie might might be a better transporter chief. I was going to say uh, Shaughnessy, the guy who runs the 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 hostel house. In oh, this he's, one, ba- he, he's barely a character; he doesn't count. Well, he's a, he's a transporter chief, though. At that in that in that sense, right? Like he, I just like his um, 
judgmental eyes as people are beating yeah. down to sex planets and stuff like that. But I feel like more. I feel more like security would be Bullock. Okay. So we lose him as captain at that point. So the captain would have to be someone like. Uh, I'm serious. I would have Hearst be the captain. Oh, okay. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, you did say that Hearst would be the captain. <clears throat> and then. <clears throat> Tolliver. Tolliver would be. Tolliver is is like the Quark character. Okay, you want him actually just running the bar. He's not like a first officer type. He's not the second no. in command. With Hurst, that runs into problems. I think. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like Joni, Joni and Jane maybe are up at the front on mm-hmm. comms. I get Counselor Troy ship, energy from Joni. Actually, that seems mm. like a real. That seems like a real match made in yeah. heaven there. Jane, Jane as the counselor would be pretty fun. <laughs> that would be that would be a good time. Who's um who's the Star Trek character that's been like drug addled? Is, is there one? Um No, right? Not that I could I mean, for an episode maybe here or there. Yeah, but, for an episode someone yeah. would be sick or like a guest actor. Yeah, I guess that's it. Cool. You can check out the Deadwood show. It's called Something Pretty, and it's got a podcast out there. It's on the YouTube channel for people who are watching this. To Paul. Oh, sorry. Who would To Paul be? To Paul would be. Oh, what? Sorry. Why is To Paul science, being... oh. science officer? Or is that is that who Jane oh. should replace? I don't know. I'm not sure why To Paul's being brought up. I would That's make it. Saul. The science officer. Yeah. Oh, drug addict. Yes. That, uh, yeah, oh, we forgot. Oh, got to Paul had that, that whole arc where she was just on crack co- Vulcan crack cocaine. That's right. Oh, thank you, everybody. Yeah, it's understandable we forgot. Yeah, exactly. She, was, she had the drug. <laughs> that would be funny to listen to uh, back again. We're like, who's a character with drug problem? Like, I don't know. It goes to Paul. We go... Why is people bring it up to Paul? I don't. I don't understand. I do know that if you were to make Star Trek more like Deadwood, it would probably bring Rick Berman back, given yeah. how many uh, big fat titties there would be on that show. <laughs> he's I that, and I say that respectfully, as he would. <laughs> he's Con Stapleton, just yelling into uh, women's breasts while he squeezes them. That's that's all we need. And the trousers in Star Trek are very tight. They are. Yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're done. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, check out Rotten Heart Picture Show on Patreon. We're doing video nasties. We got two left. We're doing Evil Speak in November and Zombie in December. And then next year, we're going to be doing Halloween, the Halloween series, which will be fun. Uh, we were going to do just the Michael Myers movies because there's seven, there's 13 of them. Yeah. There's 13 Halloween movies total. Um, but then I realized we already did Halloween 2018 on the actual show. So we'll probably just do every, all the other ones except for 2018. Oh, right. So you are, it, it actually it knocked it down from a baker's dozen to an actual dozen. Yes. And you're able to do it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I blanked out. You're talking about next year's Patreon. Next year's Patreon, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, not to not to question your uh, decision. You're going again with you. You didn't burn out from the Friday the Thirteenth marathon. Uh, uh, I didn't. Uh, Amanda oh, okay. was very burned out by that one, but she's <laughs> she's very excited to do uh, Halloween. I think it's her favorite franchise. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just I was just um, uh, my 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 memory of it was that you guys were like, wow, this was a lot of movies and about the same thing. It is over the course of well, a year, so it doesn't feel like you're constantly watching them. Yeah, the thing that's a, that's kind of nice about the Halloween movies is they do kind of there's a lot of them and they do kind of go all over the place. Okay. Um you know, cuz you've got the 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 classic original and then the weird sequel and then the one that has nothing to do with anything and then they come right. back to Michael Myers and then there's like a, tri- a trilogy of sort of connected movies and then they 
do the first time jump where they erase the sequels to do Halloween H2O and then they do another that Rob Zombie shows up for a couple and then another time jump. So it's it's uh it's a little bit it mixes it matches a little bit. Um also <laughs> you if can- if you're listeners of the regular show, Rotten Horror Picture Show, we have had a massive, massive list change where um as of a couple weeks ago, um there have been at least 15 movies that have been added which means there have been at least 15 that have been taken off so it's a very different list than it was uh just a couple weeks ago in addition to all the shuffling that happens yeah yeah every single movie on the list has changed position except for one can you guess what number what the one is number one is it the number one movie it's not it's number 10 a quiet place the only movie that hasn't changed they nailed that one the exorcist (laughs) The Exorcist <laughs> dropped like forty spots, but A Quiet Place gets to stay at number ten. Yeah, that's the things. That's things making sense. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, it's a funny. It's a funny algorithmic uh, list, but very strange. Yeah, so Mike Myers will be, or Halloween will be, an interesting twelve-part uh, episode on Patreon that you guys can check out. And we'll be wrapping up Deadwood. We'll be doing a couple extra movies and other TV shows, and that'll be done. We'll be done. So finishing 2023 with uh, some actual conclusions and stuff like that. So that'll be good. I guess that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content. We'll be back with our next Voyager episode, which is the first episode of Season 4, Scorpion Part 2. Thanks very much. See you later.